With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. So you can find it in those different places as well as Podbean. 
So thank you again for the support. We have logged, you know, well over 100,000 listens, which translates to about a quarter million hours. So that's pretty good. We're doing pretty good. So thank you guys for, you know, supporting us and being there for us. So, again, we're here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And yesterday, Raina showed the RSS feed. It was just a general conversation, but we welcomed Carl Ebert, and it was a great conversation. You guys get out there and take a listen to it. It was, you know, a wonderful conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, next Tuesday, for the barbershop, they'll be talking about reality TV and a variety of subjects and topics there. And on Friday, Mario and Emily, they'll be talking about sex and religion or the lack thereof. You know, the topic is going to pretty much surround that. So check them out. In addition, the latter part of this month, we're going to have some programming changes. We're bringing on additional shows, additional staff. So it should be great. So thank you guys, again, for being patient with us. But, you know, it should be fun. So we're in our third season now. And it's been a wonderful two years. It's been absolutely phenomenal. So thank you guys. And our theme song was written and produced by Imani the Misfit. Haven't seen him in a while. Honey, if you're out there, reach out and let me know you're okay. Haven't talked to you in a while. But anyway, Imani the Misfit and... The name of the song, of course, is Black Free Thinkers Radio, and you can get that on iTunes as well. So just kind of wanted to let you guys know that you can get that and support Amani. And even though he's not doing music anymore, just wanted to let him know that, you know, we're thinking about him and we do care about him. So there is a call for papers, Women of Color Beyond Faith Anthology. And I put the link in the chat room. I post the link on my wall on Facebook. I sent it out through Tumblr as well as Twitter, and it's been retweeting all over the place on Twitter. So, guys, go out there, take a look. The submission deadline for this is September 30th of this year, looking for abstracts. So, and it gives you a bunch of information as to what, you know, is being sought, what, you know, um, Dr. Hutchinson is looking for. So, again, you know, women of color, beyond faith, and it's about free thought, feminism, and social justice. So, again, women of color. So, basically, you know, our Latino, Native American, um, Asian police, you know, and African Americans, of course, you know, submit your papers, submit your abstracts, or if you have any questions, the information is on the page, and this is going to be absolutely phenomenal. So, guys, we want you definitely to be a part of this, and if you have any questions, you can ask, um, like I said, email the address that's on the page, and we can go from there. Excellent. So I'm just, like, really excited about all of that. There's been a lot of stuff happening this week, and I wanted to talk about a few of these things. Oh, the other thing, we're going to have a book club, online book club, and the Bluest Eye and Sister Citizen are actually the first books up. And last week I said Alice Walker, but it's really Toni Morrison. I get them mixed up. We're also reading um, Possessing, Possessing the Secret of Joy. So sometimes I get the authors mixed up. So please bear with me there. You saw all the books that I have here that we're trying to read and get through. You'd understand where some of the mix 
mix-ups come from. But, yeah, definitely read The Bluest Eye and also Sister Citizen. Those really are the first two books on the list. And those that have suggestions for different books, please feel free to inbox Raina or myself. Put it on my wall, whatever, and we can go from there. Um, for anyone that's interested in contacting me, my email address is blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Again, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Thinkers with an S at the end. So it's been a lot happening this week. I posted a few things. Um, you know, I'm starting to wonder about our society just in general. Are we just extremely apathetic? Have we become extremely desensitized? Or are we just plain and simply self-absorbed? Just looking at some of these news articles, you know, it's troubling. It's troubling. The first one I'm going to bring up is the Cheerios commercial with the biracial, the mixed-race little girl and the controversy behind that. And I am just not understanding you know, what's happening. And, you know, they're attacking the little girl, they're attacking the company, they're attacking the ad, and it got to the point that they had to disable the comments on YouTube. And Cheerios, they're standing behind the ad, which is awesome, because they need to. And it's just, you know, one thing I will say is I'm rather happy that this is starting to come out. Because for so long, when people of color would talk about racial biases, we would be told, not in all cases, but in many cases, at least in my experience anyway, I would be told that it was a figment of my imagination or I was being way too sensitive or it wasn't what I thought it was. And now with this type of exposure on social media, it's starting to come out more. It's becoming more and more prevalent, and especially after President Obama was elected, it's just, you know, it's pretty much in your face. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I have more respect for an overt racist as opposed to someone you have to try to figure out what's going on in their head because at least I know where I stand. But, you know, with that Cheerios commercial, it's just it's outrageous, and I am not understanding how, you know, people find this type of behavior acceptable. We we can and we have to do better than that. So, again, you know, have we become so desensitized to this? And, you know, for us to be living in a, quote, unquote, post-racial society, you know, if this is post-racial, you know, I, you know, I shudder to think what we were living under then. I don't know, maybe I had blinders. And I just didn't see it, but, you know, it's interesting. An article I posted a couple of weeks ago, I want you guys to go out there and read it. I'll repost it later on after the show. But the title of the article is Being White is Awesome, So How Could We Be Racist? Now, just the title alone is a little misleading, but I want you to read the article. It's actually an interesting article. And basically, eventually we're going to do a show. I was going to do a show basically titled, um, it's funny because it's true, but I'm not going to necessarily do that. I'm going to change that show. Basically, we'll be talking about a book, another book that I'm reading. Yeah, I have a big old list of books, but I just got this one in last week. I had been waiting for it, and I won't get a chance to read it for another week or two, but the title of this book is When Affirmative Action Was White. Again, When Affirmative Action Was White, and... 
is written by Ira Ketz Nelson. So basically we're going to read this book and we're going to do a show specifically, specifically on that particular book so people can get a better understanding. For those that may be a little confused, look up GI Bill, look up, you know, Federal Housing Authority, all of that, and it talks about all of this um, and how some public policies, you know, were put in place in order to keep, you know, minorities um, oppressed. So we'll get more into that, but if you all want to read a little bit more about that, definitely pick up Godless Americana by Dr. Hutchinson. She goes into it in great detail, and her information is a little bit more updated than information in this book. But I think this is this is a good primer here. This is a very good primer book. So we'll be discussing that, you know, just as a show topic. But, you know, moving on, um, what I find interesting yesterday on the show, Raina and Carl, they were talking about the Oprah show, the new Tyler Perry show on the Oprah Network. Now, I'll admit, I have not seen it. I had absolutely no desire to watch that show, or I think it's two shows, actually. And apparently some of Oprah's um, viewers are petitioning her to get rid of the show, and I think they've only had one episode, absolutely one episode, and her people are petitioning. Now, most of Oprah's viewers, they usually kind of go along with what she has on her show, because, you know, as, you know, Raina stated yesterday, the majority of what she's been trying to convey, if you will, over the years has been uplifting, encouraging people to get to know themselves, even though we may not necessarily agree with all of her subject matter or the authors or whomever she may have or her guests. But, you know, she's been pretty consistent with that. You know, most people that know me know that I... I you know, I like Oprah. Someone in the chat room, they're saying they hate Oprah. Oh, hilarious. But, um, again, you know, they're petitioning her to get rid of Tyler Perry's show. So I just found that interesting. I found that quite humorous personally because, you know, again, he's pandering to a certain sector of society. And, you know, Oprah's a businesswoman, so she's trying to get her ratings up. And so the whole thing is just interesting. I, it's, I am going to be probably entertained watching how all of this comes, you know, together. But another story that happened this week that I thought was absolutely tragic was that 14-year-old young man who was walking his puppy on a beach, and basically the police put him in a chokehold and took him down claiming that he gave them some type of dehumanizing look. What is a dehumanizing look? You know, this happened down in Miami, I believe. And, again, is this equivalent, and I stated this on a thread, is this equivalent to people getting into fights because somebody, quote, unquote, looked at them wrong? What's the difference? What's the difference between this police officer claiming, you know, a dehumanizing look and people in, you know, brawls, if you will, claiming that somebody looked at them the wrong way. And they claimed his fists were clenched, but his mom said that he was carrying the puppy. It was, a, I believe, a six-week-old puppy, or, and he was feeding the puppy, you know, with a bottle. So his hands couldn't have been clenched because the bottle is in one hand and the puppy is in the other. And so the whole thing is interesting. His mom um, captured it on her camera, phone camera. So 
it should be interesting how all of this comes about, and I'm looking forward to see how that transpires. Another issue that I saw in the news this week, a fight at a kindergarten graduation. How does that happen? Seriously, what kind of role models are you? Kindergartners, five, six-year-olds, and you're fighting over some spilled juice? What kind of example are you setting? Seriously. And the whole thing just blew me away. And when I first saw the story, you could, those who know me, you know what was going through my head, hoping that, you know, I didn't see anybody that I may have possibly known. And, you know, I'm being nice about it right there. But, yeah, they were fighting at the kindergarten graduation. Ten squad cars allegedly, you know, came to break up the fight. They put the school on lockdown. And basically the parents had to come up there to get their children, you know, not the kindergartners, the other children in the school, mind you, the school, like a um, grammar school. And it was just it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I'm embarrassed for them. Seriously. What's happening out here? I mean, have we lost our minds? And, again, it goes back to something that I said earlier. Have we become so apathetic? and self-absorbed that it's just all about us, that we no longer care about other people that, you know, in this case, someone may have spilled some juice, but did it warrant an all-out fight, seriously. And, you know, like I said, we have to do better, period. And that's across the board. We just have to do better. Um, Another case of irony is here in Chicago, those of you who aren't familiar with Chicago politics and what's happening here, there's a group here called Ceasefire. And what this group does is they've been charged with basically going out into the local neighborhoods that have, quote, unquote, gang issues, so primarily uh, African-American and Latino communities. And what they do is they talk with the gang members. They try to squash any beef, any issues that may be happening between gang members or different gangs and factions. And so they go out into these communities and they develop relationships with these gang members and try to find creative, nonviolent ways to encourage these people to basically resolve whatever issues they may have and redirect, you know, some of these young men and some young women to, you know, programs to help them, whether whether they um, obtain their GED or their high school diploma or employment, what have you. That's what they are here for. And they received a $1 million contract from the city of Chicago, $1 million contract to go out and basically bring peace to these, you know, economically and educationally disadvantaged neighborhoods, if you will, Well, the leader of that group, his name is T.O. Hardiman, he was arrested for domestic violence. So apparently, you know, there was some disagreement in his household, and he allegedly, you know, manhandled his wife. So basically, you know, the whole thing, it just reeks. It reeks. Whether he did it or not, I don't know, but, you know, it had to have been serious for the police to take him in, and he 
you know, it took a while for him to make bail. He actually spent the night there and utilized the public defender to um, plead. So it should be interesting watching how all of that comes apart or comes together, rather. Um, marriage equality came up in the Illinois Senate, and they didn't vote on it. So they're pushing it off because the diocese and the black clergy up here formed a coalition to basically deny um, or, you know, try to throw a monkey wrench into this legislation. So hopefully Illinois will be, you know, passing a marriage equality bill soon. And it's just a bunch of different news stories that have been happening. And I wanted you guys, you know, I don't know. It's like, again, having become extremely desensitized. What's happening, you know, it was a gentleman in Texas who, you know, he tried to steal a $35 rack of ribs. I know. And he was sentenced to 50 years in prison. 50 years for a couple of slabs? Seriously? Seriously. And they stated that his lengthy rap sheet um, affected, you know, the sentence and the length of the sentence. But seriously, a $35 rack of ribs. And then people wonder why we say that the judicial system is unfair. And it took them basically um, two minutes to convict him and an hour to determine his sentence. How about that for justice? You know, another man was arrested because apparently he was masturbating against a door at a business in Florida. And when questioned, he was told, you know, he basically told the police that he had a mental health issue. I guess my question to that is, with all the funding that's been cut, where are they to go? And I'm not saying that now I'm not advocating what he did. What he did was wrong. But what I'm saying is if he actually truly does have a mental health issue and he knew enough to tell, you know, the police at that time, what did they do? And I posted an article a couple of weeks ago, and we've talked about it on a couple of different occasions, about how um, basically about how the prison population is increasing. And the population at mental health, you know, facilities have been declining due to the fact that they've cut the funding. And if you are poor and you have these issues, you know, you're kind of shit out of luck. And I hate that because it feeds into what we've been talking about in regards to the prison industrial complex. And it's a vicious, vicious cycle. And, you know, we need to talk about this a little bit more. That's why we have to get to that book um, by Michelle Alexander, you know, The New Jim Crow. We have to get to that book. And one more thing, and then I'm done with this. Apparently, Anonymous was hacked by another hacking group called Russell League. Some people are saying that it's a joke. I'm not quite sure, but, um, you know, you have a set of dedicated trolls out there, so it should be interesting. So that's what's been in the news this past week, and I found, you know, a little interesting. And it kind of leads into other categories and other subjects we're going to talk about in the future and that we've talked about in the past. And, again, you can find our archives, you know, they're readily available, so please enjoy yourself. But our topic today is us versus them mentality. 
Our call-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And if you want to speak with me, you have to press 1, otherwise I won't know that you want to talk. But it should be interesting. It should be very interesting how, you know, we deal with one another from this point forth. I know I put forth a quote from Audre Lorde talking about how we need to train ourselves to be tender with one another, and that's absolutely true. You know, you have too many people walking around that are, as I said, you know, apathetic, desensitized, self-absorbed. You know, the world does not revolve around you. You know, none of us are really that important. Seriously, we're not. But before we can really go into the us versus them, I think it's important that we talk about groupthink. And we did a show about groupthink and mob mentality. You'll find that in the archives, but I want to kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, and basically what group is, groupthink is, it's a mode of thinking that people engage in when they are deeply involved in a cohesive in-group. And so when the members basically um, striving for un- unanimity, Override their motivation to realistically appraise alternative courses of action. And some of the symptoms of groupthink are excessive optimism, suppression of dissent, stereotyping, assumptions of inherent morality, desperate quests for unanimity, and rationalizing. So, you know, it's you know, we're never going to have a total, you know, a total unanimous vote viewpoint, especially in this community. It's like herding cats. It's definitely like herding cats. And, you know, one of the things that I've been cautioning about, especially over the past year and especially the past several months, is I'm starting to see some of the same issues on this side of the equation with non-believers that I see with believers. And we have to be, you know, we have to pay attention. We definitely have to pay attention because, you know, you have people out here already claiming that atheism is a religion, and it's not. You know, atheism plainly means the absence of God, no belief in God, period. That's it. Now, you, you, it's, it's just interesting, but I'm starting to see, again, and I point it out. So this is nothing new. I don't want anyone saying, oh, she's just saying, no, I've been saying this for a while. This is nothing new whatsoever. Um, there are consequences for that. There are definite consequences for that. But I guess my question is, you know, when you start looking at a pyramid, and I've stated it before that, Religion is built like a pyramid scheme, if you will. So those at the top reap the benefits, and those in the middle, and especially those at the bottom, there's many, many more at the bottom than at the top, they're hoping that, you know, the residuals from the top will basically flow down and they will reap the benefits of that. But the people at the top know that chances are that the people on the bottom you know, in or the middle, but especially the bottom, will never reach the top. There may be one or two, and in most cases that's done by design to give the people at the bottom a false sense of hope. 
Now, you know, that's not only just with religion. You see that in government. You see that in corporate America. And the same thing is happening in this community. Now, there are people in this community, and I'll just go ahead and put it out there. Why? Because I don't care. Um, There are people in this community that know exactly what they're doing. And they're trying to capitalize off of that. And they know darn well that there are certain people that still possess a certain type of mentality, you know, again, with the group thing and the social conformity, if you will. And basically, they don't care. And they don't care as long as, you know, people buy the books, people attend the conferences, um, that they have their loyal faction of sycophantic flunkies. Now, yeah, I probably will get some mail about this, but, again, I really don't care. Um, and, you know, I just find it dangerous. I find it dangerous that it's starting to happen like that over on this side. And, yes, we're all human. I understand that. You know, I get that. But does that make it right? And I guess, you know, again, being, you know, on this side of the equation, you know, most people would retort and say, well, what's your definition of right? You know, you know, who say that is wrong? And I would just simply put, then that applies to the other side of the equation as well. Who are you to say that the people that believe in religion is wrong? You know, right is right, wrong is wrong. And if you are using people and manipulating and, in some cases, intimidating people to go along with your program, you are very, very wrong. But, again, that's according to my definition of what I believe is right or wrong. And, you know, again, you know, there are different ways that you can spot groupthink. I'm still on a groupthink. We're getting to us versus them. but And this is part of it, so... But with groupthink, you know, you can spot, you know, um, you know, groupthink behavior. Usually, you have a strong and persuasive group leader, um, a high level of group cohesion, and intense pressure from the outside to make a good decision. And you know, you find that in many different settings and situations. Again, like I said, it's not even always pertaining to religion or non-religion. You find that in corporate settings. Trust me, I know, been there, done that, and, you know, that part of my life isn't over. So, you know, I still see it to this day. You see it in government. You know, look at what's happening, you know, in our government. And basically, um, you know, you see these different factions. You have, again, you have the Republicans versus the Democrats, and even within the Democrats and Republicans, you have your liberal Democrats and your blue dog Democrats, you have your Tea Party Republicans, your, you know, conservative Republicans, moderate Republicans. Um, I don't even know where to put libertarian. I kind of tossed them over there with the Republicans. But, you know, again, they have different factions of them as well. So the whole thing is, is, is quite interesting, but you just need to be aware of what's happening and what's going on out out there. Um, and, again, you know, some of the symptoms of group thing, again, is talking about rationalization. And, you know, one of the examples they gave here is those other people don't agree with us because they haven't researched the problem as extensively as we have. Does that sound familiar to you guys? 
it should because I hear that on both sides. And that's why I don't understand how we have so many issues with the us versus them. And, again, you know, you can attack a person's ideology, which is fine, but I see way too much ad hominem attacks. You know, you have personal attacks, and then, you know, you know, you have some atheists out here that do not believe that we succumb to groupthink. And any rational person, any thinking person, you know, we're all susceptible to groupthink. So, you know, it's just interesting, um, just like I had a discussion with someone who felt that atheists did not promote um, straw man arguments. I see it all the time. And so it's just interesting, but basically with the rationalization, this is when team members convince themselves that despite evidence to the contrary, the decision or alternate being presented is the best one. So, you know, we have to be conscientious of these things and start putting ourselves in check. That's on both sides. And it, the reason why I come down a little harder on the atheists especially the atheists and non-believers and free thinkers, if you will, that left religion. You used to be a part of it, and you left it. And, you know, I want you to recognize some of what you brought over to this side. You know, we've done a couple of shows, you know, um, you've left the church, but the church hasn't left you, if you will. And it's not so much about, you know, the scriptures, but it's more so about the mindset and the mentality about putting certain things in check. And, you know, I've talked about before on the show about how I see some of the non-believers, not all of them, but some of the non-believers, they walk around quoting some of the, you know, quote-unquote leaders in this community. And they quote those leaders just as quickly and, you know, succinctly as believers do when they quote, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Jesus. But yet they don't see the similarities. And, you know, again, with some of it, you know, I just find it interesting because, you know, with some of the writers of color in our community, you know, they're having, you know, a hard time, you know, selling some of their goods, you know, their books or what have you. And, you know, we need to start supporting everyone, but, Writers of color, you know, guys, you know, it would be nice if you all picked up a couple of their books as well. It's important. It's important that we encourage them just as much as we encourage everyone else because one day you're going to turn around and you're going to say, well, what happened to A, B, C, and D? And what happened was they got discouraged and they left. So we just need to be conscientious of what's happening around um, another one is peer pressure. And basically, an example of that is, well, if you really feel that we're making a mistake, you can always leave the team. So they're inviting you to no longer be a part of the group. And because many people, you know, we're social beings. We're social beings. This is why the church is so successful, because it's a social construct. And no one is saying that anything is wrong with social constructs per se, if you will, the problem, you know, it turns into a problem when people start getting power hungry. 
and start applying peer pressure like the example that I gave you. And so, you know, when you express, you know, an opinion that opposes the leader or questions, you know, the rationale behind certain decisions, you know, the leader and, you know, leadership team or what have you and the rest of the members, you know, they work together to put pressure or penalize that person and basically force them into compliance. And, again, you know, you see that in a lot of different places. And so, again, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm just absolutely pointing the finger at, you know, the non-believing community. But, you know, this happens, like I said, in corporate America, in religion, government, all of that. And I've seen it on several different occasions. And we need to learn how to be able to point that out. And, you know, you have more examples, you know, people claiming to take, you know, the moral high ground, claiming that they know what's right and wrong and this is definitely right. And, you know, what's right for you may not be right for someone else. You know, but, again, some of it is is getting out of hand. And then you have stereotyping, you have censorship, you have you know, um, the illusion of, you know, being unanimous. And, you know, I'm starting to see quite a bit of this in different situations. And, you know, what I find interesting in one particular case is there was a group of people and they made some decisions. And ironically, you know, one of the more well-known members of that particular group couldn't even adhere to what they were trying to project and basically telling everyone that they should, you know, adhere to. So it's, it's, it's been an interesting past couple of weeks, if you will, um, and there are different ways you can avoid groupthink, but, you know, basically it all boils down to utilizing critical thinking skills, being an individual, being, you know, yourself. And if you believe something, not allowing someone to, you know, change your mind without, you know, again, presenting evidence, you do your research, um, you have to test the assumptions and assess the risk, you know, and everything, anything and everything can be challenged. And it should be able to be challenged without penalty. And so, again, you know, I would encourage you guys to go out and, you know, again, self-evaluation. Definitely self-evaluation. I think we have Deborah here. Is this Deborah? Yes. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, much better. Much better. <laughs> yeah, you sound there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never been hoarse before in my life. I don't know what caused it, you know. But I'm feeling much better. Um, Excellent. Could you explain to me what you just said? Are we supposed to be quiet then? Are we supposed to be quiet? What do you mean? I mean, like, okay, give me an example of going overboard as far as being an atheist. Uh, could you give me well, an example? It's not so much about being an atheist. It's about being an individual. But, no, you're not supposed to be quiet. You're supposed to challenge something, especially if you believe that the decision that's being made is wrong, you know, you challenge it, and and that's fine. So, no, it's not about being quiet. Actually, it's the opposite of being quiet because with groupthink in situations such as that, 
basically they want you to be quiet. You know, just like, you know, let's go back to when you were in church and let's say the pastor did or said something that was extremely questionable and you didn't like it or you wanted to ask questions. <laughs> you would get mm-hmm. people in a church who would tell you, you know, either touch not mine anointed or don't question the pastor or um, they've been doing it like this for years or pastor yeah. knows what's best. And, you don't have you know, and mind. You, the mind of exactly. God we don't have. Yeah. Right. And then if you question it, then you're the bad guy. And then, you know, people in a church start shunning you and ostracizing you. That doesn't just happen in religion. That happens in corporate America. It happens in government. It happens, you know, even, you know, in the free thought community. It happens all the time. And, again, so, you know, I'm just pointing out a lot of the similarities before I really get deep into the us versus them because I want people to see the similarities and, the, you know, the similar behaviors. And it's important that we recognize that and that we acknowledge that because how can we grow? How can we truly, you know, um, interact and, you know, try to discuss and overcome certain things if we're behaving the same way but we just don't see what we're doing? So, you know, it happens. Um, and it's just... We were doing better, but it's, I don't know. But anyway, you have to be able to take an argument and be able to assess it. And even if you, if there is an argument in favor of whatever it is you believe, you should still be able to take that argument that's in favor of what you believe and be able to break it down and critically assess it. So it's not just about information that opposes or that's diametrically opposed to what you believe in, but even the opinions and information that argue, argues in your favor. It's important to be able to break that down as well. You're, because I'm someone finding, else is going to... Go ahead. I was just saying I'm finding that the problem that I see I'm having is that people who are Christians don't want to challenge. You know, they just be quiet. You know, I mean, after they said something, uh, basically they because they don't really get into the Bible, they can't even even stand up for what they say. You know, and so they just be quiet, you know. Uh they right. just, you know, knock you off. So uh you know, uh, you know, I I like to debate. I'm a. I, I've always, ever since elementary school, I don't care what it was, you know. I mean, let's have a conversation on it. But they, they won't do it. You know, they just, you know. And I'm constantly, uh, uh, bombarded with, you know, God. You know, you have to, you have to see messages. God loves me. This is a beautiful day. Da 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 da. You know, like they're in fairyland fairy or something. And they don't want to deal with issues, you know, at all, and and mm-hmm. that 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 really uh, frustrates me. Yeah, it's frustrating, and you know, it's also discouraging. But again, it's not just with the religious people, and that's what I'm trying to convey. You see that at work. Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. The manage, you know, and see, this is where middle management gets stuff. Middle management brings to you know the working class, you know, to their staff basically directives that have come down from senior management 
And mm-hmm. so the staff is pushing back on middle management, and middle management takes it back to senior management, and senior management is like, no, just make it work, make it happen. And they don't mm-hmm. care about voices. And this is not in all cases, so I'm not making blanket statements there, but in, in, in many cases, and I've seen this firsthand. And the middle management is caught in the middle, and this happens often, so the workers, you know, the staff thinks that the middle management sucks, but, you know, the senior management, you know, come out smelling like roses, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens in government. Um, look at what just happened with um, hmm, latest thing, you know, um, with some of the Republicans, you know, some of the Republicans that – Sided with the Democrats to push some things, let's say the Affordable Care Act. Other Republicans penalized some of those, you know, people lost some of their seats because oh, yeah. they vote. Exactly. And you see the same thing even in the atheist community. Like you were saying about how some Christians, because I mean, again, I want to make sure that I'm fair about this. There are some very intelligent, brilliant Christians out there. You've heard me say this before. And so to portray, you know, all Christians as being dumb or, you know, not so intelligent or, you know, not critical thinkers, that's unfair. Right. It's extremely unfair and it's untrue. Mm -hmm. You know, I know some brilliant Christians. They just Mm -hmm. happen to believe in the Bible. And, again, we have to look beyond that. How are they raised? And, again, if they were to, you know, abandon their beliefs or start, extremely questioning their beliefs, what are they going to lose? Many of us have lost friends. We've lost family. But those of us that are out, you know, if we lose our employment, it's going to be very hard for us to get another, you know, job in some cases, depending on what their profession is. And, And that's the reason why sometimes when you see us appealing to you guys for help, and when I say for help, I'm talking about support, and you know, there's a reason for it. Because, you know, you want us out here. You want us advocating for you in some respect or another. But we need for you to come through and to, you know, go to the page, support some of the projects we're trying to push through, you know. And, again, if you're buying books from all of these other people, you know, please support you know, the authors, you know, you know, in our community as well. It's important that you guys start doing that. And so basically, you know, again, like I said, there are people who understand the psychology behind what's happening. And there are some people that do not care as long as they are profiting for, from it. You know, you have opportunists all over the place. And as long as you're buying the books and going to the conferences and certain people are profiting from it, you know, they're on top of the pyramid. And so, of course, they're happy. And so, you know, we have to pay attention to this. We have to be very leery of that. And, And unfortunately, what I'm seeing with a lot of people that are new to this community, they're somewhat prone to groupthink. And it's not your fault, and I'm not coming down on you per se, because in many cases, this is what you've been taught. But now that you've rejected religion, you bring some of that same mentality and some of that same thinking over to this side. 
And what we want you to do is educate yourself and drop the groupthink. You got to leave now, what, some of those beliefs alone. What's that exactly when you say that word? What does that mean? Well, well, basically, it's a mode of thinking um, that people engage in when they are deeply involved in a cohesive in-group. So, basically, um, I'll give an example. So, with one particular group, you know, um, how can, I'm trying to find something nice because I see a lot of stuff. And mm-hmm. so, let's just say you have one particular group, and they love asparagus. Okay, everybody in a group, you know, asparagus T-shirts, asparagus for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, asparagus smoothies in between, whatever. But then you have this other group of people that may like broccoli, but they don't like asparagus. And so then you see little warring factions going on. But the people that like asparagus think that they're right and that the people who like broccoli are wrong. And you reverse the roles, and, of course, the people that like broccoli think that the people who like asparagus are wrong. But at the end of the day, there's still vegetables. They're both good for you. Somebody may be allergic to asparagus. That's why they don't like it. They may like it, but they learn the hard way that they have an allergy to it. And so you someone in vegetables rule. Yeah, as long as you're in another room. But, you know, again... You know, we have to be conscious of that. You know, and Terry's right, it's about conformity. So conforming to a mindset, conforming to a group, conforming to rules and regulations without question, without challenge, and that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, everything should be subject to challenge and questioning. Yeah. Yes? Everything, yeah. You're right about that. I think that's why... Uh, you know, like religion is more of an uh, institution, and I can't get into, even though um, I study, like, different things, like, I, I love to go back to ancient times, you know, the times they tell you not to go because it's sinful, but I don't think I could convert to being inside, um, you know, and going by rules and regulations. I don't like that. Right. I'm not I'm not well, good at that. Well, I mean, we need some rules, some regulations. You know, I, me personally, I don't want to, you know, I don't want anarchy to rule. And but I mean, I understand basically what you're saying because you know, there are people out there with agendas. And so of course, they're going to distort it and set it so that you know, it's kind of biased in their favor. So we have to be careful of things like that. Um, And, again, it's a learning process. We're all still learning. We're all growing. People make mistakes. We all do. And it's okay to make those mistakes, but you try to grow from it. You try to get better. And, again, you know, we're all susceptible to groupthink. It doesn't matter how well educated you are. It doesn't matter how logical you believe that you are. We're all susceptible to it. And especially, again, when I gave the example of peer pressure, you know, sometimes that's what does it. So 
you know, in some cases I've seen them, you know, basically whereas the quote-unquote leaders would encourage other members of the team to place pressure on an individual or, you know, a set of people to basically get them to comply with, you know, the directives, you know, that have been pushed down and put in place. And that's not a good thing. You know, again, unless you can, you know, supply, you know, the evidence and the information and then let that person come to their own conclusion because sometimes when you push back on something, you may not have all of the information. And then you have some people say, well, you don't need all the information. Just trust me. No. Mm -hmm. No. Exactly. And that's what gets, you know, people in trouble. And, you know, I've just seen different situations, whereas I've seen people who, let's just say, they will basically acquiesce and will say and do things that is outside of their true nature, outside of their true character, to belong to a group of people. Mm -hmm. You know, so someone, let's just say, you know, an individual that, you know, let's say this person doesn't drink alcohol, but now they're part of a new peer group. And, you know, these people are social drinkers, which is fine, but this person doesn't drink. But there's been pressure put on this person. Oh, you're a fuddy-duddy. You're a bore. You know, you're L7, which is square. And, you know, here, have this drink. Have that drink. And then the person gives in, and then it leads to, in some cases, I've seen this, to binge drinking. And then it leads to a habit. Mm -hmm. And all of this because they wanted to be a part of a group. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen people who have changed, you know, different dynamics of their personality and characteristics to belong to a new group of people. And, again, we're social beings. We're social people. But is that always wise? And what I find interesting, especially in the free thought community, is that, you know, we're so, you know in most cases we're considered social pariahs. We're the outcasts. And if we've already, you know, are the outliers of, you know, the general consensus or the general, you know, society or community, then how is this happening? And we're adhering to some of the same behavior on this side of the equation. How is that happening? You know, and that's not everybody. So, you know, like I said, I just find the whole thing interesting. You know, our call-in number is, again, 310-982-4273. And it's not everybody. You know, you have a lot of people, you know, that are still standing on the outside looking in and seeing this. I've had this conversation with, you know, several people, and we're trying to figure out some things as well and how it happened. But, again, you know, I just encourage people to utilize their critical thinking skills and just be yourself, you know, be yourself. Um, So, you know, again, I'm reading here um, some information from a British um, social psychologist, and he was talking about minimal group paradigms. So now we're talking about us versus them. And basically, the basic idea behind this concept was to investigate the minimal conditions required for discrimination to happen within groups. So, 
you know, going back into the us versus them, you know, it's not necessarily about, you know, believers versus non-believers. It can be anyone who's, you know, different. And especially in this country, we're, we see a lot of xenophobia, you know, and xenophobia basically is people who fear anyone who's different than themselves. Yeah. And Terry's right. He says there's comfort and safety in numbers, and it comes with a cost. Absolutely 100% correct. You know, there's a cost for everything. You know, you're going to have to pay in one respect or another. But, um, again, you know, you have your different groups. You have people um, that create an us-versus-them mentality when they're dealing with, with the subjects of race, gender, age, um, nationality, culture, religion, socioeconomic status, um, you know, handicap, you know, and that goes into ableism, and, yeah. you know, aesthetics. This whole thing, you know, I remember they, on Twitter, they had this horrible, horrible team. Um, it was like team light skin versus team dark skin. Yeah. You know, which takes us into the colorism. We, we've done a show on that. And, you know, you have different factions of this within other factions. And the whole thing, you know, is amazing to me. And until we start, you know, addressing issues like this, it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better. It's going to cause more bitterness and more resentment. And, you know, again, biases. And while we all have biases in some respect, um, we're going to have to find a way to kind of overcome a lot of these, you know, social prejudices and, you know, um, ostracizing people. And, again, you know, perpetrator versus victim. And it's not just, you know, relegated to groups. You know, individuals do that as well. And I've seen this happen. Um, whereas you'll have, you know, an individual basically go after another individual because, you know, again, you know, victim, victimization. And what I find interesting is with this type of mentality, you know, I've seen it develop a code of silence. I've seen people develop a code of science, silence behind this. Why is that? You know, why is that? Does this lead to corruption? Does this cultivate an environment of corruption? You know, I think those are legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, yeah. again, if you have people that are basically acquiescing to anything you say or, you know, you have a legion of sycophantic flunkies, if you will, then some people start to believe that they can get away with whatever with impunity. And then, again, it can lead to a code of silence. Isn't that some of the issue that we've seen in the church? Yes, most definitely. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, in the church, and 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 it, it's like, it's, it's all about fear. You know, um, really, I think it's all about Basically, um, I can do this as long as I can just get down on my knees and pray and ask for forgiveness and everything is cool. 
and they just do things over and over again, you know, bad things over and over again, and that's the way they do, you know. And uh, it it they'll sit up there and be doing things undercover, and 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 just it's it, you know, it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be okay with me if you wouldn't say that you can do this, but I can't. I, I'd be exactly. all right. I'd be all right. I'd be fine. Okay. I don't have no problem. Whatever you believe in, just don't be putting it on me. You know, don't don't expect me to say yes, or boss. Okay. <laughs> you know, be, just you know, just be ready for. Okay. I I don't agree, and and we okay with that, okay? But no, it don't go it don't go like that, and that's all I'm saying. You know, oh, I, I ain't got I, I don't have to live I don't have to live with you. That's, that's right. Thing. Like I told my son, you know, uh, see, I don't care. I don't have to live with you. Just don't be putting it on me. Don't don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. That's all. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, we can. <laughs> have to break out the James Brown on you. Don't start none. Won't be none. No, yeah. but I understand. I understand. I understand. You know. And you know, again, you know, it happens. You know, and you know what you just described is a familial type of situation, and it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens in our families. It happens in our social circles. It happens yeah. all over the place. Again, it's about helping the people to recognize, you know, what's happening to them and in some cases recognize what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And Terry, you know, he said in the chat room, Maslow's hierarchy of needs places wanting to belong before self-esteem. Yeah. And I've seen that. I've seen that mm-hmm. to be true in some cases. And, you know, again, you know, it's, it's important that um, we recognize these things and understand, you know, what's happening. But, you know, we're getting there slowly but surely and, you know, having shows like this and topics like this, um, you know, it's extremely important that, you know, we understand what's happening and, you know, that we grow as individuals. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, do you believe you've grown since you've become a non-believer? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I mean, it's 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 just it's so amazing, you know. Um, you it's like seeing in another another eye, you know. I always say to people when I be talking to them, you know, okay, take the biblio glasses off. That's all you got to do, you know. Don't look at everything through the Bible, you know. You gotta you gotta open up a little bit. And see things as it really is, realistically, and and um, you know once you do that, you know everything is cool, really. You know I just people, if you believe, I believe this. If you believe in something, then know everything about it. That's all I want you to do. No, I understand. Everything. Go back to the. You can't even get them to go back to. The beginning of things, the beginning of religion, or they're scared to even do that. You know, all I want you to know, you talk, you talking to me, see, know what you're talking about. That's all. 
Right, and, and you're right. But I, also, but I also say it needs to be applied on this side as well because yeah. I've seen on a lot of occasions, you know, people posting memes and they'll have different, you know, quotes from different people. And in many cases, they have not gone back to see the context from which that quote came. So, you know, they may be using it totally out of context. And this is on, you know, the free thought atheist side. So just like, you know, we encourage them to go back and read things and put it in a proper context, that has to be applied on this side of the equation as well. It has to be because I've seen it, and especially, you know, you'll see certain quotes or memes going around and, People just, you know, continue to pass that around. But, again, that us versus them. And I want to make sure, you know, we're definitely not bashing religious people because I don't believe in doing that. You know, I'm just trying to show. So when someone brings up something that a religious person does, you know, I try to bring up what I've seen on this side of the equation so that we'll understand and know that it happens on both sides because we're all trying to grow as people. So, you know, because I have, you know, as time has gone on and as I've grown as an individual, and again, I'm talking about me personally, you know, as I've grown as an individual, I have a lot more compassion for religious people than I once had. Mm -hmm. Now, in in my experience, you know, when I first, you know, I, I didn't believe when I was young. But then I started trying to believe again, and then I was associated with quite a few religious people, and they convinced me to come back. You know, so I went back into religion. And when I left this last time and just knew that it was false, in my opinion, yeah, I was angry. That's, that's the same thing that happened to me. Same thing. You know, I haven't been... I haven't been, it's been, uh, shoot, over 10 years, you know, that, right. you know, I went in, I went to church one time only because this girl, uh, I call her my daughter, you know, she became like a preacher, and I went to church for that, you know, but that right. was... And see, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, me personally, yeah. I've been invited to different things at church. You know, depending on what it is, I may show up now. You know, I'm not getting up there and dancing a jig with the Holy Ghost or anything like that, and I'm surely not going to take the microphone and pray for the congregation. But if I have a friend that needs some support, then especially if it's somebody that, you know, just like um, a friend of mine, you know, who lost both of her daughters. And when this last daughter passed away, you know, I went to support her, and I was there with her and the family, and, you know, they had their nice little memorial. So, I mean, situations like that, you know, those are your friends, and if they're asking you for help or to come and support them, I don't see anything wrong with that per se. But, again, whole thing, you know, our telephone number is 310 Four two seven three, and again three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. And Judy says a lot of the problem of bashing believers is the anger involved, and that's correct. You know, there's anger, and you know, I'll be the first one to say that 
when I finally walked away, you know, I was very angry, extremely angry, angry at the time wasted, angry at, you know, the, you know, intellectual property that was wasted and or stolen, um, you know, angry about the money spent, you know, just a variety of different things. And, and it happens. It happens. But in regards to, you know, some of the Christians, they don't understand sometimes the hostility that they may get from the non-believers. And in some cases it's because when some, some Christians approach us, they approach us with arrogance, and in some cases they approach us with condescension. In some cases they'll approach us even with cussing. Mm-hmm. What type of response do you expect from that? Seriously. Mm-hmm. What type of response? But then, you know, flipping it on the other side of the equation, I've seen some non-believers, you know, approach, you know, believers with ad hominem attacks or automatically, you know, from the very beginning of the conversation or argument or debate, you know, basically treat the other person as though they were a first or second grader. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, you know, I've seen it on both sides, and we just have to do better, period. Yeah. And, you know, so again, I mean, everybody, you know, in general, you know, you want to be recognized for your positive contributions, um, be treated with respect. So, again, common human decency, dignity, and respect. And, yeah. you know, I believe that we need to start encouraging, you know, each other to, you know, start talking to, and in some cases trusting members of other groups to interconnect. But in some cases, with some of the situations, it's just going to end badly. So you have to be able to differentiate between the two and understand, but, if you know, from the beginning, if one group feels inferior to another group or they experience some type of um, conflict due to, you know, some type of repression, resistance, you know, or some type of struggle, you know, there are going to be problems. And unfortunately, you know, when it comes to, you know, Christians versus non-believers, you know, non-believers have been repressed. They've been resisted. And, You've killed, you know, and not even so much killed physically, which has happened, but, you know, people's careers have been killed, people's families, you know, relationships, all of that, you know, have been destroyed because, you know, they are part of a group that has been repressed and demonized and vilified, if you will. And so, you know, you kind of have to understand you know, coming in the gate in some cases that, you know, some groups are at a disadvantage. So, you know, that's the reason why I'm encouraging people to open up conversation and start talking to one another. So, yeah, you know, um, you know, Terry put in there the stages of grief. Exactly. And we've done shows about the stages of grief. And, you know, it's real. So you have denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and accept, acceptance. You know, those are the basic five steps, you know, and some people list seven, other people list nine. It just really depends on, but, yeah, you know, denial, anger, and then the bargaining. I remember in my case, it was like, all right, God, I'm giving you one last chance before I get off the bus here. You know, show yourself to be true. Didn't happen, and that was the end of that, and the depression, 
you know, it's it's just it's interesting because, you know, in my case, I was pretty upset for a long time because I felt as though I was betrayed and violated, you know, not only from, you know, being raised in religion, but the people around me. Because the only reason why I went back when they invited me back in was because they all seemed so happy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you yeah. all seem so happy. Yeah, and like you're having so much fun. I'm like, okay, right. I want a part of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you get over and there and it's there not for. Most of them yes. are there for that. That's what they're there for. You know, right. party. Party, exactly. But, you know, but you know what I did? I, I, I went out the last time I went to church, because uh, I left too and, and came back uh, to church. Um, I did. I did one thing. I said, God, give me some truth. And that's, you know, I was in, into that mode. I want the truth. And I guess, you know, to me, that's what started it. You know, I mean, really, in, in my mindset, I started looking for truth. Nobody asked God for truth. They asked him for a cause, give me some money, you know, do this, do that. But ask for the truth. That's the way I see it, you know, so you can see through things, you know. They use the word discernment in the Mm -hmm. Bible, discernment. A lot of people don't discern. So I guess my question to you is, you know, when you prayed at prayer asking for truth and you received the truth, do you believe that truth was attained because... God oh, no. gave it to you, or you went out and think, read and studied it. I think when you do that, or anything like that, it's a mindset. You know, like God give me a good job. Well, you're gonna have to go out there and get that job. You understand what I'm saying? You, you the one, you got a mindset. I, I, I don't think prayer. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a mindset that you get in your head. Okay, everything is, you know, if you don't go and get some, it won't get done. You can't just sit and, and uh, what they say, wait, wait, wait on the Lord. Oh, forget that. That ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that ain't happening. I don't, I think I only saw that one time in the Bible too. I don't forget who it was, but they use it all the time. Wait on the Lord. No, that don't work. It's a mindset that you have to get in your head to do things, okay? Exactly. But since I was there at the time, that's what I did, you know. And I noticed nobody nobody does that, you know. Nobody, yeah, nobody Alfred did. says, mm-hmm. no, I was just going to say, Alfred said they aren't looking for truth. They're looking to affirm their confirmation bias. And he's correct. And, again, that happens on both sides. It happens on both sides. And I know some people are probably, you know, have some issues with me talking about non-believers, you know, in this respect. But it's true. You know, I'm seeing it on both sides. And they're looking for confirmation, you know, to 
you know, whatever it is their bias may have to be. They're looking for affirmation. And we have to be careful of that, extremely careful of that, because we definitely don't want to um, set ourselves up um, to, you know, basically fall into that trap. You know, I don't want to see that happen, you know, within this community, you know. But, yeah, you know, we just have to be careful of that. And, again, you know, we identify, you know, what some of the group think is and what's happening with the group think. And, again, you know, there's symptoms, there's some telltale signs, and, you know, there are ways to prevent it. You know, we have to stop rubber stamping things. Just because we think that, you know, one particular person or a group may think that this is what's best for all. You know, no. You know, you have to encourage people to be critical thinkers. You know, in some cases you have to bring in some, you know, outside person or expert, you know. Um, And, again, you may have to have someone there that will challenge and critique, you know, everything. You know, someone that can go through it you know, precept upon precept, if you will. And then, you know, also, you know, consider, you know, the consequences. So, I mean, there are ways that, you know, we can overcome a lot of that. But, you know, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of that being brought over from, you know, the religious side with some of the thinking. And, you know, it's it's interesting. And, you know, we can do better. And we have done better and we can do better. I just, like I said, you know, there's a lot of new people coming over, you know, to this community. And, you know, there's there are some things that we definitely need to question and get in check and put it in check before it gets out of hand. Because, again, you know, you have some people and the only thing that they are... Um, concerned about our dollars and numbers. They want the numbers, you know, and they want the money, you know, so there are opportunists everywhere you go. No, well, I mean, just something to think about. Something to think about, you know, I want people to start questioning everything. It's important. And we have to stop this group A versus group B thing. You know, I'm seeing a lot of that over here as well. And it can cause people to be extremely irrational and uncooperative, you know. So, again, you know, conforming to social standards, and in some cases, you know, social standards created by people who can't even adhere to it themselves. So we have to be careful and stop using, you know, know, superiority or inferiority complexes to, you know, decide how we're going to, you know, render a particular situation anyway. You know, we're not saying anything is wrong with group identity, but what I am saying is that we have to be careful about these things. You have to be very careful because in many cases, you know, they can be arbitrary in nature and subjectively applied. And we have to be very careful about that. So, again, there's a lot of psychology behind, you know, this us versus them. 
um, I would encourage people to go out and do some reading, and especially when it comes to religion and politics. You know, it's been set up and designed to be that way. And I'm starting to see the same thing over here, so extremely concerned about it, extremely concerned about it. And, you know, the differences that we have that actually should be embraced and we can learn something from one another, you know. And in some cases, you know, assimilation is not the key. So, you know, that's how that goes. And, you know, I've learned a lot of that just from religion itself, you know, growing as an individual and, you know, leaving religion. So, again, we're growing. Right, Deborah? That's right. Yes. So, yeah, you know, again, us versus them, group think, go out, look that up, and educate yourself on that. Our call-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And if you want to speak with us, you can go ahead and click one. But, you know, again, just talking about, you know, you know, some of the symptoms of groupthink. You know, they give they gave me eight here. And the first one is illusions of invulnerability. And what happens here is people start to believe their own hype. These groups start thinking, you know, that their hype, the hyperbole, is, you know, correct and that they always make the right decisions and they can do no wrong. That's an illusion. We are all fallible. Second one is rationalization of warnings. And basically here it says the group convinces itself that despite evidence or warnings to the contrary, it is making the right decision. The group creates rationalization such as we know there is contrary opinion to this decision, but we've been right before in the face of negativity and we'll be right this time too. I'm sure you've heard that before. The third one is complacency. And with this one here, it says, after reaping the rewards of making many correct decisions, the group begins to overlook the negatives. Think how derivative models were never run showing what would happen to a bank's financial position if house prices began began to fall in the 10 years leading up to 2007. The fourth one is stereotyping, and it says those who are opposed to the group are pigeonholed as heretics, non-believers, or just plain stupid. The fifth one is loyalty pressure. Direct pressure is placed on any team member who raises a contrary opinion, with typically the entire group openly calling the team member disloyal or fickle. The sixth one is self-censorship. Individuals refrain from airing any private concerns that they may have for fear of ridicule. For example, if you are in a group of ten clever people who all agree with each other, then you begin to question if you might look like a fool for raising your concern. Perhaps you are just being stupid. You know, and again, um, the illusion of ah, unanimity. Oh, that word, so, you know, basically unanimous, the illusion of there being a unanimous, you know, consensus there. It says, if asked, does everyone agree with this decision and no one speaks up, then the decision is understood to have 
been made unanimously. In essence, silence is regarded as compliance. And I've said that on many occasions that, you know, in some cases that silence um, is tacit agreement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're giving you one example of that there. So you have to be very careful with that. And the eighth and final one is called Mind Guards. And the group contains self-appointed members who protect the group from conflicting opinions from both inside and outside the group. So, yeah, you know, again, you know, we have to look at these things, figure out where we stand and where we land within this because, you know, because we're all growing and we're all figuring this out. So basically we need to encourage each other to be, you know, as critical as possible and utilizing critical thinking skills and, you know, openly questioning ideas and, you know, propose alternatives if need be. And, again, um, we, we have to do better. You know, inviting people outside of the group to come in and in some cases, you know, give constructive criticism and to, you know, assist in, you know, certain uh, you know, projects, and, you know, it's it's just the whole thing. We have to do better. We can do better on seeing how, you know, all of this is, you know, transpiring. You know, William says that's how Chris Matthews got Phil Donahue fired. Exactly. That's exactly how that happened. And so, you know, we have to be conscientious. We have to be aware of what's happening and what's, you know, going on you know, around us, and, again, being able to see where we fall, you know, in this particular paradigm, if you will, and, you know, how we're feeding into it in some cases. And, you know, it's it's just interesting, but, again, you see it all the time, you know, and that's one of the things I believe that fuels us, you know, especially in this country, you know, it's a lot of us versus them, you know, again, you know, you know, you get to, like Indiana versus Miami, you know, Democrats versus the Republicans, you know, believers versus non-believers. You know, we have these culture wars happening. And again, like I said, sometimes it causes people to be extremely irrational and uncooperative just on his face. You know, so again, you know, conforming to the conforming to, you know, some of these standards that other people have placed upon you, you know, being able to go in and just see the situation for what it is and critically evaluating. It's important that we start doing that across the board. So again, you know, this is something that we've been taught. This is something that's been happening, you know, centuries, you know, yeah. millenniums. So, so, I mean, this this is not anything new. So, again, it's about getting better. It's about growing. It's about all of those things. And so, again, you know, I encourage everybody to go out and do some research and keep it moving from there. And so, 
you know, that pretty much concludes what I have to say about that, you know, those particular subjects. And, again, we've done different shows about these, you know, particular topics. You can go out and listen to them. They're in archives. But, yeah, so, like I said, it's been an interesting week. And, you know, I talked about a few of the stories that, you know, have come through the news. Just go out there and, mm-hmm. you know, take a look, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of information out there. So, on that note, I am going to shut it down. But you all have yourself a lovely, lovely weekend, and thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.